Hello, friends, and welcome back to our 10-week meditation program. My name is Venerable Tarpa. Um, before we begin our class, let's take a moment to appreciate our community gathered here today. Oh, excuse me, I had to cough a little bit. Today, I feel fortunate to sit as a member of this kind community in the safety and security of like-minded friends, sharing this present moment with others dedicated to the cultivation of goodness. Today, I'm grateful for the direction and support that this community provides, a community worthy of my time and commitment, a community where my efforts have meaning, purpose, and are appreciated. Today, I'm thankful for this community of awakening, a place to gain the knowledge and skills to improve my life, a family, a home, and a sanctuary for all of us seeking refuge from the storm. And let's also remember, as conscientious practitioners, we must recognize our responsibility to the world, to strive to live skillfully while helping others to do the same, to strive to live in balance and harmony with nature and others to strive to gain mastery over our minds and embody our true benevolent nature, to expand our hearts and minds, transcending our shared human limitations, to not intentionally harm sentient life or our planet, and to maturely accept and embrace the reality of our situation while striving to improve it. Again, welcome to today's class. Um, which will begin our fourth week of our 10-week meditation program. We are going right through it. Um, in today's class, we're going to learn and practice, uh, we'll learn the practice of mindfulness. <clears throat> but first, let's review a little bit of what we learned in our last class. Um, in our last class, we learned the four classic meditation positions of sitting, standing, lying, and walking. And we shared an additional kneeling practice. And I'm curious, did you try them out? What do you guys think about them? Were they good? Were they bad? Hey, a show of hands, who hated kneeling meditation? <laughs> yeah, people, Westerners have a lot of problems. I can't do it either. I had a friend who, who the way she did it, she piled up cushions and it was like a horse and she straddled it. So she was more sitting. But yeah, that's not very popular. How about uh, the others? Did anybody have a chance to practice walking meditation? Yeah, good. Any, would anybody like to share their experiences? That's a favorite of mine. Yeah. Oh, come on. Somebody be brave. Ah, oh, Sampton, please. Well, I, I'm a bit strange. I actually like the kneeling meditation, um, perhaps because I grew up in a Christian household, so it's a kind of position I'm used to. <laughs> so, yeah, so I find that quite, I find that's more comfortable than sitting cross-legged on the floor, uh, to be honest. But, um, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I managed to get in quite, quite quite a bit of walking meditation out in the countryside and some standing meditation also while or while walking in the hills. What form of walking meditation did you participate well, in? Well, since I was out in the middle of nowhere strolling, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Very good, yeah. And, you know, when you if you go to Japan or China, everybody does kneeling meditation, especially the lay people. And the women, it's very graceful the way they kneel down in their kimonos or you know, put their hands down. Yeah, very pretty. And how about how about everybody else? Did anybody practice st- uh, uh, pacing meditation, the slow pacing one? Good, good. Carlos uh, Rinchin got some in. Good, yeah. Pasan, Pasan, would you like to share? Uh, no, I just uh, tested it out inside the the apartment. I was walking down the hardwood floor, uh, barefoot, so I could feel. The wood. It felt kind yeah. of good, actually. Yeah, that's right. And, and so many homes and buildings have, you know, some hallways that you can actually, you can actually practice at. Yeah. <laughs> Something's making a noise here. I think it's my phone. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, uh, and what did you think of the practices? Were you able to to get some? meditation in yeah, yeah feeling actually. of meditation yes all right it actually went, went pretty good i think thank you Pasung. and how about how about laying meditation did anybody try that yeah good if you raise your hand that means you have a question thumbs up means that you're agreeing okay oh good good got it uh, good so uh yeah, did anybody try out my my advice to uh, to try laying outside in the grass on a little bit of a hill if you can find it? Um, and you know, you look at the clouds and you meditate. It's it's quite lovely. I, I'll go to like if I go to a botanical garden, I'll find a grassy spot to lay down. Do you know what the weather conditions are like here? <laughs> <laughs> you ever try laying on foam meditation? Yeah. <laughs> he was talking about the foam coming up. Um, uh, Carrie was saying she she tried laying meditation quite a bit, uh, but sitting is bad, uh, better for me. Yeah, most people will say that they get the deepest meditation in sitting. I think that's common. It could be that we're just used to it. Um, some people say that you have stronger meditation sitting on a cushion than in a chair. I find that that's just because people are used to sitting on the cushion. Once you get used to uh, something else, you, you do okay, right? Oh, good. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed it. And what's great is now you have some other techniques in case one gets boring or, you know, your knees get sore. You can stand up and do some, you can do some pacing meditation for a few minutes and then sit down once again right uh most retreat centers will use these in combination yeah okay good i'm glad everybody enjoyed it <clears throat> by the way i did it myself and i'm super uh, fond of strolling meditation i did a lot of that but i'll just stop every now and then and do some standing meditation and i practice laying uh both in the morning and both and in the evening and so uh, those are the ones that I do. Wonderful. So let's begin today's class by looking at the textbook presentation of mindfulness. Um, 
As many of you may know, today, mindfulness is all the rage. It's all you hear about. It's in all the articles. Um, and it's a very popular practice being widely accepted as a safe and effective method for working with the mind and emotions. They're teaching it to, to hospital workers and kids at school. I mean, it's everywhere. And it's a good thing that it is. It's a wonderful practice. The benefits are similar to those that we find in meditation. But in addition, <clears throat> because mindfulness can be applied directly to your everyday activities, it can also enhance our abilities, our interactions, and our experiences. Like meditation, the practice of mindfulness is a method of, of mental cultivation uh, for the purpose of developing and gaining control over the mind and its process, processes, a, a, a method of improving our minds and emotions, right? <clears throat> Mindfulness is something we utilize in every moment, but are rarely aware of. Uh, you've been using and developing uh, mindfulness your entire life. From the first steps you took as a baby to your first day at school, to the first time you kicked a football, you've been actively honing your skill of mindfulness. Um, <clears throat> within Buddhism, the term mindfulness is refers to both a function of the mind as well as a practice. As a mental function, it's comprised of two aspects. One, simply mental awareness, and the other, recollection. Mental awareness is the mind's ability to focus and maintain our attention. Whereas recollection is ability to recall, remember, or to keep something in mind, which can be values, our views, our aims. In meditation, Mental awareness is what allows us to hold our attention on the breath, whereas recollection is what allows us to keep in mind our meditation instruction and to assess and improve our practice. Commonly, mindfulness is ethically neutral. This means that a bank robber can utilize the function of mindfulness just as much as a saint allowing both to focus fully on their activity and to apply their skills effectively. However, within Buddhism, mindfulness is always applied as virtuous mindfulness that is directed towards awakening and benefiting others. <clears throat> so that's, mind, that's the mental function of mindfulness. Now, as a practice, Mindfulness is the application and cultivation of a specific type of focused attention comprised of both presence and introspection. Presence or present moment awareness is to abide as the observing witness to the present moment without the mind getting lost in thoughts and thinking of the past and future. It's to be fully present in the here and now. 
It's the cultivation of a state of mind free of commentary, interpretation, or judgment. Whereas introspection, we utilize observation, contemplation, analysis, and investigation in order to gain insight and understanding into ourselves and our lives. In mindfulness practice, these two aspects allow us to focus our attention on the present moment, also our behaviors, our actions, but also keeping in mind our values, our views, our aims, practice instruction, and how they correlate with our spiritual aims. So let's use an example. <clears throat> In playing football, mindfulness is what uh, mindfulness allows us to first focus our attention on the ball, on the other players, on the and on the goal, while also keeping in mind the rules of the game, our skills, techniques, and plan how to get the ball past our, our opponents. Um, as far as the aim of mindfulness, the common aim is to become more consciously engaged in the experiences that make up our lives, to become more skillful and productive within our daily interactions and activities. It's to stop lives on autopilot in which we blindly follow habits, patterns, and social conditions. But most importantly, the practice of mindfulness helps us to gain control over the mind and thinking process. The ultimate aim of mindfulness is to awaken. Awakening from habitual and mundane existence and awakening to clarity, understanding, contentment, and joy. But in the end, what we gain from mindfulness practice is freedom of choice. The freedom to choose whether to follow our routine habits or instead to focus our awareness and become fully aware and present the freedom to choose to awaken to who and what we truly are, the freedom to awaken to our true value, our true potential, and our true nature. Does anyone have any questions? I think that was a pretty good explanation of mindfulness. <laughs> if I did, you say, who wrote that? They were wonderful. Yeah, it was a lot to take in. Are you sure you don't have any questions? Um, for um, Did you understand mindfulness is both a mental function as well as a practice, right? Do you understand mindfulness as a, men as a mental factor is just wherever your sense of focus goes, your attention goes, mindfulness is what directs it. When I say, hey, have you seen my car keys? And you're your head turns and your eyes spin around the room. Mindfulness allows that motion and keeps your mind scanning. And then when you see those keys on the table, your mindfulness keeps your eyes there. And then mindfulness tells your mouth to tell them, hey, your keys are over here right on the table. So you can imagine you're using mindfulness right now. 
just you're you're keeping your attention on what I'm saying. That's mindfulness. So is there ever a point in our lives that we're not mindful? And even in times we're switched off, like in a scary movie when you're glued to the screen, but it's still your mindfulness is keeping your mind on that screen, right? So this is just a, a, a normal, natural part of the mind that's always in play. We just aren't aware of it. We don't, and we don't necessarily how, know how it works, and we don't know how to take advantage of it in our lives, right? Miss Wamo. So would you say then the awareness, having an awareness as, of it is what makes it productive as a practice? Because if you're not aware of it, even though we have mindfulness in the background, it's not shaping our daily life as much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a funny way to talk about it. You're kind of putting awareness before mindfulness. So in a sense, we have awareness, but you are never conscious of awareness without mindfulness. Without mindfulness, your eyes, your eye wouldn't fix it on any object. Your ear wouldn't fix it on any sound. So the two are kind of married together. But just all your experiences go through mindfulness, right? It's hearing, it's smell, it's taste. It's, it's, all, it's all of that. So they're kind of married together. Most of it all happens subconsciously way before you're aware of it, right? <clears throat> but then it's really easy to say, hey, you know, what color is the chair? What color are the chairs in the room? And to turn your head and use it. That's another thing. Now, do you understand how the practice of mindfulness works? That's a little different, right? So mindfulness is being, is being, present of the present moment, right? So much of our lives, we live in the future and the past, but the present moment is really the only moment we have. It's the only moment you can interact with. You can't change the past. You can't interact with the past. You can worry about the future, but you can't interact change. You could only interact with, with reality in the present moment. Some go as far as, as saying, well, the present moment is the only real Time And I disagree with that. That doesn't negate the fact that you had experiences in the past and you will have experiences in the future. But the point is still there, right? So the idea is we run our lives in, in this idea, this autopilot, where we're just habitual. We do all the stuff first of all. And most of the time, we don't even know it, right? You're walking down the street. You're not aware of how you're walking, what you're doing, right? It's just happening automatically. So this is about becoming more consciously aware of all the things you do. It's like awakening up to, to you in your life. Okay. Hey, with that said, I'd like to uh, move on here. So <clears throat> as for, <clears throat> I think I missed something here. Oh, good. Okay. So as for the actual practice of mindfulness, let's talk about this. Um, the practice is almost identical to the practice of meditation. <clears throat> and with both using the same basic techniques, you could say that mindfulness is simply meditation when not on the cushion, while engaged with daily life. The practice relies on one unique aspect of the mind, that the mind can only focus on one thing at a time. Although the mind can experience its various senses simultaneously, like seeing, hearing, smelling, and feeling, the mind doesn't have the ability to hold multiple thoughts or concepts 
or mental experiences at the exact same time, although it can shift between them rapidly. This means by placing and holding our attention on an object of mindfulness, it anchors like the breath or something like that. It anchors our mind in the present moment. And while doing so, it's impossible for the mind to be anywhere else. You're anchored to the present moment. Through this practice, we slowly and habituate the mind to stay present and fully aware. Another tool we use mindfulness is the teach is the technique of noting, which we've been using in our calm abiding meditation. But here we'll be utilizing in a much more, a much greater degree. When practicing mindfulness with activities, let's start with activities, you begin by focusing your awareness on the object of uh, mindfulness. So here, let's use washing dishes as an example. The aim of the practice is to stay fully present with the activity without the mind wandering away into thinking. So while washing the dishes, become one with the activity by becoming aware of the sights, smells, and sensations of the experience. Keep yourself focused by occasionally noting the activity. In this case, washing dishes. So focus your mind fully and deeply on the activity and on nothing else. Don't think about your day, daily problems, or what you'll do later. If the mind starts to wander, bring it back and again, note the activity, washing dishes, right? Within the experience, objects of mindfulness can be your breath, your sense experiences, or your mental or physical interactions with the activity. When practicing mindfulness with a concept or quality or emotion, you can, because we can practice mindfulness with just about anything we can perceive. Uh, but in this case, with the concept, quality, or emotion, you begin by bringing your awareness to your object of mindfulness. How about we use anger as an example? So here, our aim is to stay watchfully present with the emotion without the mind wandering away into thinking. When anger arises, we note it and apply introspection to observe ourselves and our anger. Look for what triggers it or what reduces it. Observe your body. Where do you feel the anger? What is its nature? What is its aim? Remember, in, in this case with anger, it's defined as uh, anger arises when something something obscures or gets in the way of what we desire, right? So with patience, you understand anger and gain control over it. Through this application, you can use mindfulness to uncover, observe, and work with emotions, habits, patterns, and anything that you deem unproductive, you know? Okay, how about we do a mindfulness exercise? Karma's gonna get the raisins.
<laughs> uh, let's. Uh, this is a, a famous exercise in mindfulness, which is a lot of fun. But sadly, because we're online, we have to visualize the experience. And uh, in this exercise, I want everybody to imagine that karma is walking around giving everybody a raisin. Everybody gets a raisin, but don't just take one and don't eat it yet. We'll wait for karma to go around and pass them around to everybody. <laughs> okay, so begin by holding the raisin between your fingers and examining it. All right? Try to be fully focused and present. Push all thoughts and distractions away and try to become one with the experience. I am one with my raisin, right? Okay. Roll the raisin between your fingers and feel it. You are now using mindfulness to direct and hold your awareness on the feeling of the raisin. Notice that when you're fully focused and present within the experience, your mind can't be anywhere else. You're anchored to the experience within the present moment, right? Next, smell the raisin. You are now using mindfulness to direct and hold your awareness on the smell of the raisin. Now try to stop your mind from going into evaluation mode. And instead, try to stay completely present with the experience. Not So in a sense, don't get into liking or disliking or evaluating the raisin. Just smelling it and experiencing it, right? Okay, now put the raisin in your mouth, but don't chew or swallow it. Taste it <laughs> and move it around your mouth. You are now using your mindfulness to direct and hold your awareness on the taste of the raisin. Okay, next, chew the raisin. Now be fully aware of the sensation. Now swallow it. Feel the raisin pass down your throat and into your stomach. Again, you're using your mindfulness to direct and hold your awareness on the feeling of the experience. This is an example of a popular practice called mindful eating. When eating mindfully, the aim is to remain fully present throughout the activity while immersing yourself in the experience. Mindful eating is usually done in silence. Placing a moderate spoonful of food in your mouth, you then set the spoon down and bring your full attention to the act Focusing and bringing your attention to the taste, the smell, the feelings, the pleasure, while being aware of the physical sensation of chewing. Uh, after thoroughly chewing your food, you swallow it, focusing on the sensation of the food sliding down your throat. Next, you pick up your spoon and again, put another moderate spoonful in your mouth and repeat the process. Noting can also be applied periodically by saying eating silently to yourself if, if you wish to. Generally, all mindfulness practice follow the same process, and you can choose almost any activity to practice with. 
Other favorite practices of mindfully uh, are mindfully brushing your teeth and mindfully showering. Again, the aim is to see if you can remain fully present within the activity. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about other things. You're just brushing your teeth, right? So from picking up the toothbrush, applying the toothpaste, putting it in your mouth, brushing, rinsing, and finally putting down the toothbrush. See if you can remain, remain, remain your attention throughout the activity without the mind wandering into thinking. It's much more difficult than you think it is. We're used to just thinking all the time. When, sho when showering, it's about the same. You begin, as soon as you step into the shower, become one with the experience. Be aware of the sensations, the feeling of the warm water on your skin, the smell of the soap, the speed and intensity of your washing, the pleasure, the purification. When getting out, focus on the feeling of that big fluffy towel and drying off. Bring your full attention to the feeling of freshness and rejuvenation from showering. Does anyone have any questions? What do you think of this mindfulness stuff? Hey, that's cool. Get lots of thumbs up. Yunten, please. Okay, um, I have a couple of questions. Um, the first one is, uh, I think, am I correct, there's a distinction between mindful awareness and concentration. We're not talking about concentration, because you can concentrate on the anapathic panisata, but it doesn't actually suit up, but it doesn't say to concentrate on it. It says to be aware of whether you're breathing short or long. So um, it is separate from concentration. All these events occur with an awareness that isn't a concentrative awareness. Is that correct? That's a tough question to answer. For for usually, it's a, it, the problem is semantics. So it, it really depends on how we want to define mindfulness. And the other problem is in Buddhism, concentration has a very unique meaning in Buddhism. Oftentimes, it's more related to the practice of samadhi, right? Um, but but then again that practice relies on mindfulness. If you remember the, the Eightfold Path, the last three are related to meditation. Right effort, right? Which some people might, would say that's kind of concentration, isn't it? Like the effort to focus. Right effort is applied to mindfulness, which creates concentration. But again, each one of those terms is quite unique in Buddhism. They're not the everyday ones we're talking about. But when we talk about mindfulness in everyday English, synonyms of that would be, are like attention, awareness. Uh, some people would say concentration. I think in the general English usage of the word, you could say, yes, that's, that's an aspect. Like to concentrate on something, that is that is the function of mindfulness. Again, mindfulness is to, is to focus on an object and to hold and to remove your focus from an object. So in a sense, so that's what makes it a little bit of a difficult question. Concentration is kind of a special word. And when you talk about single-pointed concentration, mindfulness is what facilitates that. But mindfulness isn't single-pointed concentration. 
So there, the problem just gets into semantics. So does that help? Yeah, yeah, um, it is. It is um, really kind of relates to the second question, which is um, the, the, the divergence between the traditional kind of eightfold path mindfulness with the Satipatthana Sutta and the Anapanasati and how you approach that, whether it's a concentration meditation or a mindfulness meditation, and then how that relates to right concentration. And then, you see, one of the things I was always taught was when you get off your meditation cushion, the breath goes with you. So it's a mindful breath and your actions occur within that. Whereas what you're suggesting comes, seems, the divergence seems to be a Western psychological approach where mindfulness is an act in itself. Well, mindfulness is both a function of the mind and a practice. So it's both. Um, we're, we never leave mindfulness anywhere. It, it's, you can't turn it on and off. You couldn't function without mindfulness. It's always there. Mindfulness is what facilitates meditation. Mindfulness allows you to, to place your mind on the breath and, and to hold it there. Now, there's kind of a mindfulness that's just omnipresent, that is just there all the time you have no control over. But then there's more of a focused mindfulness that we can actually pick and choose where it goes. So what, what, what mindfulness is, like, like we talked about in the teachings today, it has both purposes. And then within both of those purposes, each are dual. So mindfulness can be seen as having those four purposes. And those, those, are, those are, are equivalent to and agree with the Satipatthana Sutra. There's no, there's no discrepancy there. That's, that's exactly where they come from. Yeah. Is that helpful? It is. It is. I, I, I kind of like uh, get a little stuck because you have the Satipatthana Sutta and you have the um, Eightfold Path. And then it's like when you get off the meditation cushion and then you have this mindfulness and then the way it's presented in the West, you know, usually with people with books to sell and courses to sell, it yeah. seems to be you know, like, um, oh, you focus on eating a raisin, which is kind yeah. of, um, yeah, but, <laughs> and, and so that's, that's where my sticking point comes. But yeah, okay. uh, you're confusing. You're confusing just some some uh, skillful means of the way people are. <clears throat> they're uh, trying to explain it to audiences in a certain way. It 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 doesn't disagree with the Satipatthana Sutra. They're just like the new mindfulness movement. And I know exactly what you mean. Buddhism never really talks about it in that capacity. But these are people that are just creating a method that they think is helpful to guide people towards that. But both methods are meant for more beginners. Advanced people know that uh, we kind of touch on this teaching towards the end. Did you see the part where I talked about how at some point, you know, this is a beginner introduction <clears throat> on an advanced level. They're not single objects and things we're focusing on, like the raisin. That whole analogy or example is simply there to explain it to people that have never studied okay. it before. Okay. But do, did you notice in the example that that in its in its full capacity, it encompasses everything we do, and you don't leave it anywhere. You're never aware, never away from it, but you are trying to be more aware of it. You're trying to understand its function, its experience uh, uh, more, more forward, and that it's where we recognize it in all of our experiences. Yeah, I yeah, I get that. 
I get that. It's just okay. people's Thank terms. You. I was just as I was like being an yeah. expert about it. Don't worry. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, it's just people. It's just people trying to explain it simply with other people. I think our presentation is pretty cool, huh? We go back to the original <laughs> Satipatthana Sutra, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't care for a lot of their presentations either. I like yeah. going back to the source. Yeah, good job. Yeah, thank you for keeping. Thank us you on for explaining that. <laughs> it's my pleasure, my dear friend. Somebody makes me keep studying. I got to stay up on so I got to stay a step ahead of some of these students that are so smart. <clears throat> Would anybody else like to share? Make it an easier question this time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> delighted with the presentation of recollection alongside the mental function. I'm not sure I'd heard that before. And I wonder if I could ask you a little bit more about that. What is it you're holding with you as? Yeah, I'm glad. Because this, this is one of my favorites. So in the monasteries, um, this is what was a big, this is a big controversy and everybody was, the. I remember the monks uh, talking to me and they said, those mindfulness movement people are all wrong. They think that mindfulness is just being present and non-judgmental, that they're all wrong, that in the, in the sutras, it's recollection and that's it. And the fact is that it's clearly both in the sutras, as our presentation shows. It's both. And the problem so much in Buddhism, the Buddha taught that people are all caught up in this and that, that people have this problem. They, they don't see the world in spectrums and they get into uh, fights about, oh, it has to be this or it has to be that. And, but people are why can't it be both, right? I don't see that. So anyways, uh, that became really clear to me. So that our, I think ours is one of the only presentations that reflects that. I haven't seen it. I'm sure it must be. I didn't mean to sound arrogant, <laughs> but I'm sure. But it's rare that you see that. And the idea is that mindfulness isn't just about holding awareness, but it's also about holding ideas and thoughts in your mind. So I think the one about footballs was a cool example that awareness allows you to see the ball and kick the ball and, and understand your physicality and, and, uh, and your vision and all that. But at the same time, a good football player, you also have to remember the rules of the game. You have to remember the colors of the uniforms. You don't kick it to the wrong person. There's, you know, there's all kinds of things that we have to remember besides just our focused awareness. So those are the two components. In meditation, the presence part of it allows us to, or the open awareness part of it, allows us to uh, focus on the present moment and go into meditation where the recollection aspect allows us to remember our meditation instructions. It allows us to keep checking our posture. It reminds us of our goals, of our intentions, those kind of things. So as you can see, that's the perfect marriage, right? In any situation, clearly we'd have to have both of those. Open awareness, you'd just be, you'd be like a zombie. You'd just be a boob sitting on a log somewhere with nothing happening in your mind, right? Oh, good questions today. Anybody else like to share? Okay, let's move on, everybody. So um, <clears throat> I'd like to talk next. Uh, I'd like to take a moment and talk about uh, some common obstacles to mindfulness practice. 
um, when first starting, one of the greatest obstacles is simply forgetting to practice. And we all laugh about it, and it's true. So you could say that remembering to practice is the first aim of practice. And the joke there being mindfulness is what's supposed to help you to remember to practice, right? Keeping in mind. And so mindfulness is the first practice of mindfulness, right? Kind of fun. Um, so some things that work uh, to help try sticking notes up around the house as reminders. You could do little stick them notes that say mindful and you put them on mirrors and on coffee pots and all those kind of things. Um, you can also, uh, or there's also apps on phones that can chime at chosen intervals. Uh, there's a whole, but I think the Plum Village uh, does a free one that that works really well. And then you can, so say you can uh, set it that every 15 minutes, just a little chime goes off and it's a little reminder, be here, be now, be focused. Uh, and it helps keep us all on track, right? Um, one of the things that I, you can use biological or emotional cues as reminders. I think that sounds weird. I didn't know how else to, to say that, but biological cues like, the rising of desire or anxiety, emotions, right? Or impatience. So say uh, you could say to yourself, you could train yourself that whenever you get hungry, it, it's a cue to be mindful, right? Um, one that works very well, sexual desire. It's a great one because for a lot of people, young people, it pops up all the time. So the idea is for, for monks and nuns, Anytime a sexual desire comes up, it's a signal to go into mindfulness, which, of course, helps us with our celibacy. So you can see how you can use things like that. Whenever you feel fear, you train yourself to go directly into mindfulness or any emotion, hatred, even even positive things, love and care. You can uh, you can use those as as cues to go into practice. Right. Um, Impatience, I think, is one of the easier. I think we all do that already, right? When we're impatient, what do we do? We all take a deep breath and, uh, and we try to, you know, in a sense, that's really mindfulness in practice. Another obstacle when practicing mindfulness is feeling a bit spaced out, disoriented, or unbalanced. Some of you might have felt this like in walking meditation last week. And uh, <clears throat> the the solution is to not apply mindfulness too strongly. <clears throat> Instead, begin with a soft and gentle approach and imagine having an intensity dial that you can adjust to the occasion or situation or activity. So we start slow and as you become familiar with the practice, you can turn your intensity knob up uh, to apply it. <clears throat> now, so the idea is something like, like walking meditation last week. Some people would say, well, walking meditation is actually just a, a mindful walking program practice. And so, but the idea is when you start actually focusing on your body walking, Maybe some of you noticed this, that all of a sudden you, you think to yourself, well, well, how exactly do I walk? Like, how do I hold my posture? And how do I step? We're so used to doing all these behaviors habitually. Sometimes when we focus on them, 
it gets a little weird and we're not sure how we do that, right? And so that's where the kind of the <clears throat> disorientation or kind of the feeling of being clumsy comes in. And uh, so again, the secret is to just, it means you're applying it too strongly. Turn down that intensity knob until it's comfortable. And then as you get more and more experience with mindfulness, you can really ramp it up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> lastly, the, uh, the mindfulness practice. Oh, Ted, I'm afraid I, I thought I already shared this part. This was what I was talking about before. So uh, this is a wonderful addition to your question. So uh, the mindfulness practice and exercise shared today is a very simple example using single objects and activities. This is meant for beginners in the practice. However, once you begin, uh, once you get experience and you can then expand the practice to encompass its full scope, which is not limited to single objects or activities. Ultimately, mindfulness is about the quality of your attention and not so much about what activity we are engaged with or the speed or complexity of the activity. Meaning, mindfulness can include multiple objects and activities, what we call multitasking. So when you first teach mindfulness to people, it seems like we're trying to teach the opposite of multitasking, and we are. Because when you first get into mindfulness, you have to practice it simply on a single object. But again, here we're saying, once you get the hang of it, you can broaden it. For example, imagine you're in a busy, chaotic workspace, uh, which demands intense multitasking. You can use mindfulness to rise above it and take in the broader view as if floating above it all. Mindfulness allows you to encompass all the activities into a single view. And when needed, you can use mindfulness to zoom in on any one task that needs your attention and then zoom back out to the broader view. In fact, mindfulness is the actual mechanism that allows for multitasking. It's that which allows you to turn our attention to hold our attention on, or rapidly switch our attention to other objects. Okay, and we'd like to give you uh, uh, one more thing. We have a, like all of our practices, we like to have morning affirmations to help remind you and guide you in the practice. Uh, affirmations for us, they kind of cover the intentions of practices, the instructions for practices, goals, and to inspire, inspire us in practice. Um, uh, so with that said, uh, we'll, we'll post this also on our social media. So the affirmation for mindfulness is, Today, I practice mindfulness to develop my mind and its processes, a practice aimed at gaining control over the thinking process, allowing me to be more consciously engaged with my environment. Today, I will strive to remain aware of the stillness underlying the present moment, 
utilizing noting to reduce mind wandering and mental and emotional distraction, while maintaining an objective distance, allowing space for understanding and skill. Today, I seek to awaken from mundane, habitual, and limited daily perceptions. That's pretty. I was supposed to have a slide of that to show you, but I forgot to put it up. I'll, I'll post it on social media and you can all get it from there. <clears throat> In addition to the affirmation, we can also use our three breath meditation, which we've been using so far. And uh, this is the three breath meditation with mantra. And uh, in this, and I'll, I'll also put this on social media, in this, we're going to take three conscious breaths. On the in-breath, we say present. On the, on the, uh, at the top of the inhale, we say aware. And on the, on the exhale, we say mindful. So I'd like to try this together with everybody. I'll guide you through it. We'll just do three breaths. We'll do the three breath meditation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So inhale and silently say present. At the top, say aware. Exhale, say mindful. And repeat, present, aware, mindful. One more time. Present, aware, mindful. So this is used to just center yourself and make you aware of the practice. This is great to do before meals, things like that, right? Wonderful. So now let's move on to our closing thoughts. So today we learned the practice of mindfulness, uh, that it's simply gaining control over our awareness to abide in a state of focused attention. We learned that mindfulness is a function of the mind, which is comprised of both mental awareness and recollection. Whereas as a practice, mindfulness is comprised of presence and introspection. Within the practice, we utilize focused attention on the breath or current activity to keep us anchored in the present moment while using noting to help us maintain that state. But once achieved, we can then let go of all techniques and simply abide in the clear and spacious state. Remember that the common aim of mindfulness is to be, become more consciously engaged in our lives, to become more skillful within our daily activities and interactions, whereas the ultimate aim is to awaken, to awaken from habitual mundane existence, and awaken to our true value, true potential, and true nature. I'd like everyone to continue to keep us, to keep up on your twice a day calm abiding meditation schedule uh, while trying out our new practice of mindfulness throughout the day. We have a new practice video for you to use throughout the week. It's another guided abiding meditation and will be available on all our social media. <clears throat> I'd like everybody to please review our chapter on mindfulness in our free text meditation and mindfulness basics, which you can download from sbtonline.org. In next week's class, we'll be
insight meditation, which is a fascinating practice that utilizes contemplation, analysis, and experience to actively examine concepts, ideas, and phenomena in the pursuit of wisdom. Boy, that's a mouthful. Uh, always remember that our instructors are just a click away to help and support you. If you have any questions about your practice, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And please post your thoughts and comments and experiences on our social media. Lastly, I'd like to uh, recommend, I'd like to remind you that although our program is free, we our group does rely on donations to continue its work. So if you're enjoying the program, consider making a donation at SBT Online. Dot org. Wonderful. So let's end today's class with our altruistic affirmation. May all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well. May all be present, free of past regret and future worry. May all abide in constant appreciation, which is a source of great joy and contentment. May all realize their true nature and the true nature of reality, which is awakening. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Don't forget to support our instructors in training by attending some of our makeup classes throughout the week there, Tuesday through Friday. Thanks, everybody, for coming. So we're still on our, our retreat. We, in about an hour, we have our, our vow ceremony and purification ceremony. Everybody's welcome to come. It's a beautiful ceremony. Do yourself a favor and come. We have two practitioners that are taking refuge vows today. Very exciting. And, um, and then we have loving kindness meditation at the end of the day, which is absolutely beautiful. Choki? When is the vow ceremony? I thought it was in half an hour. Yeah, it is in half an hour. What did I say? An hour. Oh, man, am I having troubles today? I think that's the third time I had wrong. You're right, Choki. It's a half an hour from now. And I'll post a reminder right before we start. Thank you, Choki. Yeah. So uh, please come back. See everybody in a half an hour. Bye-bye, everybody. Oh, I thank right. you. Thank you so much. You're welcome.